0: Isn't it great being here this morning? Let's just start yeah. off praying first. Let's just, let's just pray together. Uh, thank you, God, that we're here this morning. We pray that you open our hearts to hear your message this morning. And uh, we just pray right now that uh, these words will speak true to our lives. Amen. So I'm just going to quickly, we're in the last two weeks of our 12-week sermon series, the last two weeks. And uh, how many people remember where we started off? Yeah, we, so I'm, we, we're, I'm going to start off again so that we're all on the same page, okay? Twelve weeks, we're in the eleventh week of it. The first four weeks, directly after Easter, Jesus appeared to four people. We looked at four groups, we looked at Mary, we looked at Thomas, we looked at Paul and we looked at the, the upper room, right? We looked at the four weeks of Jesus appealing, appearing to his believers and that um, established the, the foundation of why we actually have a witness about Jesus being raised from the dead, and then after that, we looked at what we call G- Jesus establishing the church. Does everyone remember what we did in establishing the church? You do, Caitlin. <laughs> we uh, we looked at Jesus sending the disciples. He commissioned us. He filled us. Remember how he filled us? And when we were filled, we became courageous. We looked at courage, and then we looked at what it meant to be loved. And because we are loved, we became loving. Right, we did those four weeks, and then we've started the third part of the 12 week series. They're the recent two. Do we remember what the recent two were? Holy. Holiness, good. Kerry spoke on being holy, and what was the other one Simon did last week? Freedom, freedom, good. So we did holy and freedom, and then this week, this week, we're looking at united what it means to be in unity with one another. And then next week we're looking at what it means to have vision. And the whole point of this is it establishes what it means to be a community of believers. This is who we want to be as a church and actually move forward into the community, into beyond ourselves, what it means to be within ourselves and how we witness and experience God in that. So before we start looking at unity, who's aware that the World Cup's on at the moment? Yeah, we got a few soccer fans, football, are we allowed to say soccer? That's Soccer, yeah, we agree, consensus, it's soccer. Football, all oh, right, we're going to be at war with each other. This is not a good start for unity. <laughs> Let me ask you a question, who uh, is the most important player on a soccer team, football team? Chris thinks goalie, Joe thinks goalie, they must have been goalkeepers, I was a central midfielder, I think the central midfielders run the most, so we're the most important. Referee? The referee is definitely the one that wins the game for a team. Who watched the Australia uh, the game? Yeah, that wasn't a trip, was it? It wasn't a trip, no. So we, the idea is though that there's not one position more important than the other. But what if this scenario arose? The whole soccer team dominated the game, right? so the, the, the ball never actually got to the goalkeeper. Is the goalkeeper just as valuable in that game, or is it that they're still just as valuable but they weren't needed that game? Mm, yeah? All right, let me ask you another, te- another question. Within a soccer club, there's multiple teams, right? And you've got your Premier League, they're like the ones that are the best players, and they're the ones that go, uh, they're normally paid, and then you've got your ones which are like sixth grade, and they're like the older dads, and they've got the bit of the gut now, you know, holding the baby on the belly, and they're the ones that still want to keep playing, but they have to balance the work, family, life with the games. Which team within the soccer club is more important? Because without the, the top players, your club wouldn't be recognised. But without the lower ones, you don't have the kids to come through for the... You see what I'm getting at? So, this is unity. Like, even within just one aspect of sport, there's so many dimensions. And I think that when we look at unity, we don't realise what it means fully to be united. We often just think you and me working together towards a common goal. Wouldn't you agree? What do you think unity is? Let's just sit on that for a little bit. What does it mean to be united? Hmm? Work together? Yeah? Let me pull out. I've got three biblical examples here for you of unity. There's lots in the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about it, so that must mean that it's important, right? But three in particular that speak on different themes of unity First one's from Romans 6, verse 5, and it says, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. This speaks specifically to our connection and relationship with Jesus, in that because he's died, we are united with him because we die to ourselves in baptism and we're raised again in life with the coming out of the water. That's what the symbol of baptism is. So we're united with Christ. We go back into the Old Testament and we, it's uh, Judges 20 verse 11. So all the Israelites got together and united as one against the city. Against the city, What's happening here is they're just about to go into a battle, but if not God's people are together in unity, that battle wouldn't have actually gone forward and been a victory. If you've got uh, disunity amongst the ranks, how effective, effective is your army? Yeah, it's not very. So the Bible talks about what it, how important it is to be united as a nation. Or, we, well, yeah, nation today, but also as a group. You know, as us here today. Let's go back further. Genesis 2 verse 24. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife. They become one flesh. When you marry, you become united in the relationship. In any of these situations, though, what happens if one person's selfish in that aspect? See, this is the fragility of unity. It only takes one to cause an imbalance. The Bible is littered, as I said, with unity. But we need to make it ascent. I don't think we take the importance of it and make it as foundational to our values as we ought. It needs to be up there as one of the most important. The most famous verse, uh, I'm going to read it to you, about unity probably, is Jesus' prayer. And you know this one, probably. It's just before he's about to go to the cross and all the um, the torture is about to happen to him. It's John 17, verse 20 and 26, and it's Jesus' prayer for all his believers. "'My prayer is not for them alone. I pray for those who will believe in me through their message.'" for the believers before he goes to the cross, right? His final words for you and me. And it's not that we will be strong. It's not that we will be free. It's not that we'll even have undying faith. Although those are all things that he wants for us, his prayer is that we'll be united. That we will be one, so that they may know, we others may know that God, Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one. Now, notice it's not a commission, though. Jesus doesn't say you must be one. This needs to come out of uh, out of our will to be like Jesus. So, let's come back to the reading that we read together this morning on the screen. In Corinthians. Now, what happens was, notice this is a letter, right? So, I just want to explain real quickly, Paul isn't sitting down to give a theology textbook to the people he's writing to. It would have been really hard to be a friend of Paul because this is just his natural way of talking. And it just so happens that through this is how we get a lot of our theology But what's happened is there's division because it's been a period of time now since Jesus has died and all his disciples are starting to die too. They're being persecuted, right? And so some of them are starting to take off in different lines of thought. If we can get some of those names up, Chris, that'd be great. I think there was Cephas up there. That's right. You noted there were different names. There we are. Apollos, Cephas, even Christ. And Paul, notice Christ and Paul are the same system of thinking, but they're split over which one they follow. Now, we don't necessarily have a division these days of who we follow. When someone's appointed as a minister in the church, you entrust your path to that person. But we do have things that cause angst and turmoil, don't we? For example, music. Isn't that a contentious topic? Actually, I think we do really well with the balance here in New Beginnings. We have a great balance of hymns, we have a great balance of contemporary. But if you went across, maybe even across the road, you might not find the same ability to be united in what sort of music they do. What about gossip? Now, gossip we often associate with complete slander, but even just saying something about someone can create a, uh, just a bitterness in that person regarding the someone. Gossip, that could cause dysfunction, disunity. Maybe it's even, you come to church with an attitude of, what can I get out of this, instead of, what do I bring to this when I come? Ooh, that's, that's nasty. Unity can be easily disrupted today. Just because we don't have these fought leaders and we don't get necessarily ch- turned off by different people's sayings and stuff, there is a lot of disunity that can happen. And you don't have to look far for it. But Jesus says, May they be one so that, we may show that so they may show we are one. Now, we often think of unity, as I said earlier, as you and me working together. And uh, that's right. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about that. And this is the one thing that I want to say about that, because there's lots of sermons about unity within groups of people, right? There's lots of them. If you want some, I'll show you. But this is the one thing I want people to take away from being involved in a corporate setting, being united, working towards a common goal. And that is, you are part of something bigger than the part you play. Can we put that up there, Chris? Thank you. You are part of something bigger than the part you have to play. Our vision here, you're part of that. And without you, it wouldn't be as big as it is. But you may think that it's not significant. Let me tell you that it is. Even if it's just that you're praying, if it's that you're attending, whether it's that you're giving, every single aspect of that has a massive part to play towards being a united community that's moving towards something bigger. Now, often we think the only way to make an impact is to actually be the biggest influence in that, but it's actually all the combination of all the small influences that make the biggest movement change. You are part of something bigger than the part you have to play. And it's not just here at church. Who's in a, if you've had a relationship, you've been in a relationship, you're currently about to, who's the biggest part in the relationship? If you say yourself, you're in for a hard ride. <laughs> That's why I'm single. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But it's right, isn't it? The relation's so much bigger than just you in that context. Is it the family? Often you put it towards the uh it's a, the fancy word called patriarch of the family. You look at the patriarch and they're the ones that has all the influence on the family. But actually, it's every action that the family does together that just shows what the unit is like. Whatever it is you are doing, you have a part to play, but it is not bigger than the actual thing that's happening. Now, as I said, there's lots of sermons on this, of being a corporate unified group. So I don't want to spend too much on that. Because the question that always arises that I have when these sermons are done is how do I make such a difference when I'm only a small part of the organisation? That's my question, every time. And you do make a difference. You do. In fact, I think that the united organisation, the group, the relationship is determined and starts with, to just start a unified uh, walk together, actually starts with the individual. Let me explain what I mean. The problem with life is that we categorise everything. And this has been in psychology for ages. This isn't just something new. We categorise. got work life, we got family life, we've got uh, we've got uh, church life. We've got, for example, from the church, cafe life might be something that you categorise. That's something I do on a Wednesday. You've got prayer group on a Monday morning. That's different. And unfortunately, what happens is you also categorise your spiritual life. This is something I do at six o'clock when I wake up in the morning and I read my devotion. The problem is when you have that attitude is that all your individual parts of life stay that way and nothing follows through consistently. And if we're looking at that specifically within our lives as Christians, you never actually, if you're categorising spiritual life different to church life, different to devotional life, life, different to work life, different to family life, different to school life, is that you don't have the central foundation of Jesus running through all of them. I'll let the family dictate how I am around family. I'll let work dictate how I am at work. I'll let my soccer team dictate how I am at soccer. There's no consistency and your life is disunified as itself. We become disconnected with ourselves. Psalm 133 said, How delightful it is for the Lord when people live in unity. How delightful it is for the Lord when people live in unity. Now this is talking specifically about a nation. right? It is talking about the people of Israel living together in a harmonious way. But I think it goes further for us today also in that we need to have our lives unified. Back then they didn't have Jesus when this psalm was written, but we have Jesus now. Right, And when Jesus is involved in every aspect of our life, family, work, school, whatever it is, then we ourselves will become unified. And when that's the case, then we will actually be able to change what it means to be unified as a group. When we're unified as a group, then we can start unifying the world. It all starts at the individual and it works from there. So, Caleb, you say, how do I rectify categorizing my life? It's a great question. I'm glad you asked. Have you ever wondered why you learned Bible, uh, Bible verses off by heart as a kid at school? No? Do you ever wonder why songs are deliberately engineered so that the lyrics sticks in your head? It's more than just because. Believe it or not, there's an intention behind it. And the psychology of it is this. An action, such as memorising your Bible verse, leads to a habit. And a habit, it leads to behaviour. When you do something enough times as a habit, it becomes part of your behaviour. Have you noticed that? And when you do have a behaviour and you enforce that enough it actually becomes your character. Let me give you an example. Being generous. Everyone wants to be a generous person, right? But it starts with the action. Maybe it's just one time you bought a coffee for someone. It's an act of generosity. That generosity, when you do it enough times, becomes a habit. So you just, out of habit, reach for your card and start paying for the coffees. And that habit then gets known to other people as your behaviour. Now, don't abuse that. Generosity is nothing to be abused. But it becomes behaviour of yourself, that you will do that. And then because people know you for that, they will know that that's your character, right? Right? So, when you're starting to do things like memorise Bible verses, when you start to do things like continually having songs singing in your head, it becomes your behaviour and it becomes your character. So when you're at work, when you're in your family life, that will be the thing that comes through. Makes pretty simple sense, doesn't it? That's why we encourage to read your Bible daily. Because then it becomes character. Character. That's why we encourage people to pray in all situations. So, the question at the start of that whole thought process was how do I make such a difference when I'm the only small part of the organization? When we all live our lives in unity, our individual lives unified by the love of Jesus, around that common truth, we in ourselves become unified which in turn will actually unify our church, our family or our workplace, whatever it is. The effect spreads. Now, this is where it's going to actually lead to next week. And I'm not going to take too much of next week's um, time because I want everyone to be in anticipation for what next week actually has. But it's going to be really good. Simon's actually bringing... Our final week of what it means to be a community of believers and its vision. And in specifically, what we're going to be looking at is what it means for our congregation and our vision going into the community, going into the uniting church further abroad, going into just. We're looking at so many great things. And I don't, as I said, I don't want to say too much, so I'm not going to. I'm going to be really broad and just hope that it grabs your uh, excitement and anticipation because it's going to be fantastic. And if you're ever wondering, what's the church actually doing these days? This is the week to come to. So it's going to be a great week. But before we uh, wrap up, let's just pray. Lord God, uh, we just pray that you will help us become a unified individual in In our, our um, attempts to be more like you, Lord God, we want to be known as a group that is actually unified around you so that we may be continually showing the love of Jesus to those around us and we know that it will it takes a lot of work, so we pray for you in that in these situations to be amongst us. may it be uh, prevalent to everyone around us that we are unified by the love of Jesus and may they be aware of that so that they may also be a part of it. Thank you, Lord. Amen.